Mayor Jim McGee from the city of Glen Ira has been on council for four terms now. This is the fourth term and is just commencing his third term as mayor. So firstly, Jim, congratulations. Oh, Chris, thank you very much. It's such an honour and a pleasure to be the mayor of such a great city. Yes, and you must enjoy it. Fourth term on council. And of course, over that period of time, you've built up a body of experience in how the local government sector works, which I think perhaps qualifies you for the opinion piece you've published this week that I want to dig into a little bit with you. You've called for a shake-up of the local government sector in Victoria. Um, what do you think needs to happen? Chris, I think it, what needs to happen mostly is a really serious grown-ups conversation. Conversation about everything from cost shifting to the, um, to the services that we provide to the conversations that state government have without involving local government that affect local government. And quite often with cost shifting, um, we see that we bear the brunt of that. And you'll see just in the last election, for instance, free kindergarten. They come to me, what does free kindergarten mean? It, to me, it means another cost shift to Glen Ira. We have 10 centres. Um, we're already getting inquiries from people about, um, you know, wanting to enrol in free kindergarten. We don't have free kindergarten. Yeah, The government hasn't told us how they're going to fund this kindergarten or do they mean free to them yeah i, I just don't know so I, I need this conversation to be had before we go down the road as i said before uh you know kicking the can down the road will only go for so long sooner or later you've got to stop and pick up the bloody thing and put it in the bin so the conversation has to be has to be had as to where are we headed how are we getting there and is it really um sustainable for local government going into the future. Financial sustainability, I think, is the core of this. Ran my own business for 25 years. Um, if I ran my business like local government runs, um, I would be asking questions about uh, um, whether I'm insolvent or not. Um, Jim, you do say you're not talking about amalgamation. Why, are you saying amalgamation shouldn't be part of the conversation? No. No, no, um, everything should be part of the conversation. Amalgamations are certainly, we haven't seen that since the Kennett day some 30 years ago when he did the last big reforms. Um, and there are opportunities and they certainly should not be a, not taken out of the question altogether. I've got four other councils directly around me, which are brilliant, great, well-run councils. But we've got five CEOs, five chief financial officers, five parks and gardens departments, five family and ch children's services. Um, why can't the city of Glen Ira do parks and gardens? The city of Bayside do maternal health. The city of Stonington, uh, you know, do roads and maintenance. And we combine and we sort of charge each other for the services. Hmm. We have to look at other options going forward to, um, I think, for the sustainability of who we are. And we're talking five years, 10 years. We should be talking 40, 50 years. Um, yeah. We've been here for a bloody long time. And if we don't have these conversations, we go year in, year out, and I see more and more problems with us at a local level, um, just in planning, for instance, the regulations that are put on our planners. You know, it costs us about $600 to do a planning application because the government sets the fees. And those fees don't cover the application. And if it goes on to VCAT, we cop the complete cost of the VCAT because we have to prepare all the documents. So there is like we're in a rate capping situation, as you well know, 1.75%. Inflation's running at nearly seven, and by the end of the year, could be hitting eight. Our cost of operating, if I was running my business, 
it is costing me more to run the business than I'm actually able to um, retrieve. Now, only Victoria and New South Wales are capped. The rest of the country can actually have those um, conversations with their residents. I've got to go to the Essential Service Committee to, you know, if I want to um, increase that. Um, and these are all because of the what's been put on top of us yeah. uh, as, as from state government. So you mentioned New South Wales. There's quite a bit of information coming out of New South Wales at the moment where they find themselves, many councils, in a what they're calling a very dire state of financial sure. potential sure. unsustainability, and they're flagging some pretty drastic sure. rate rise uh, programs. Are you watching what's happening there, and are you concerned Look, that perhaps I am. That's, I am. that's us just a bit further down the track? Look, I am, and I'd hate to admit it, but they're probably five to ten years ahead of us. Hmm. So that means they're in a lot more trouble because no one had this conversation 10 years ago. Mm. Um, certainly. Look, we're about to hear about the new rate cap. Uh, I think it's due on the 13th. If that rate cap doesn't start with a four, Victorian local government's in trouble. Mm. 4.25 or more, we've got a chance. Under that, we will continue to struggle, absolutely continue to struggle. I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. As you're aware, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, uh, Jim. Many will remind us that we are a creature of the state. Uh, the state mm-hmm. government is our master. They, yes. you know, they 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 set, set the environment. How do we have that conversation when clearly it's electorally, or the, the government might say it's electorally unpopular to talk about sure. increasing rates, etc. Look, and that's the government's fault. The government put out the story about rate capping, and all my neighbours would, if I said to them. Rate capping is at 1.75%. They would say to me, great, my rates can only go up by a maximum of 1.75%. i got absolutely no understanding the rate cap is about our income. We can't increase rates by more than 1.75%. So, therefore, their rates is controlled by the value of their property in relation to the value of all other properties around them. Hmm. So, unless everybody's property value goes up at the same rate, then uh, that's the only way everyone will get 1.75%. But we can't afford ongoing to continue to pay for all the things that the um, the government are putting onto us, like the street, the crossing supervisors at our schools. We're supposed to be 50-50 share. We're not. We're paying 70%. Government's paying 30%. Um, you know, you're talking about libraries. Should be 50-50. <laughs> the government's paying 22%. You've mm. got the waste, just look at the waste levy, for instance. They've collected since 2019 I would say upwards of $700 million, Chris. Mm. Yet we're still having to pay for our, our stuff going to landfill. We're not seeing any of that money coming back from state government. State government at some point have got to say, you know what, it's not about us anymore. It's about all of us. And local government, we're the ones on the ground actually with the shovel. State government doesn't hold a shovel or a broom. They just dictate. And we're the ones out dealing with the community, building the infrastructure. We actually, we're responsible for uh, some 3.8% of taxes, yet we're responsible for something like more than 50, 60% of infrastructure maintenance. Mm. This is throughout Australia. With 33,000 people in local government, 33,000 people in local government trying to run this this, uh, whole state. I'm talking about the conversation that we need to be able to sit down with the, the um, the new minister uh, or the, sorry, it's the old minister who had been re, um, reappointed. It's, it's everything old is new again, yes. Everything the new old is again, new yes. again. And look, I like the new minister. The new minister and I have had a couple of conversations and we, we, we can have, you know, grown-ups conversations where we can agree to disagree. 
But Chris, it's important for our sector to come together, for us to have the conversations with our neighbouring councils to say, what do you do and what do I do that we can maybe help each other out? Do you see that your colleagues are prepared to join in that conversation or is there a bit of fear there about uh, speaking up and you know sticking one's neck out when oh. you don't really control all the factors? Chris, this neck's been stuck out so many times and it's been waxed up many times. It, it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. It, you get mm. to a point where you need to just stop and say, you know, hang on, this is not right. Mm. You know, I can't keep on doing what I'm doing. I can't build infrastructure without borrowing serious amounts of money. We're about to, on Tuesday night, coming to our council is a, a motion to either proceed or abandon our new Carnegie pool. Now, when we started that conversation, um, there was a, a heritage issue which held us back. Now, we've been held back about a year. The cost of that has now gone up by many, many millions of dollars. The cost mm. of building concrete, steel, labour is, is we're having to borrow. Every council is just about having to borrow. And I think it's about six, nearly 50-50 of the councils that have got debt, that are the ones that don't have debt. Yeah. Um, for us to go ahead with the Carnegie pool, we will have significant debt. But it's an intergenerational project. It is what councils do. We build infrastructure. You know, rate caps are set on CPI. CPI has yeah. got nothing to do with councils. We don't buy fridges and carpets and food. We buy Loads concrete, we buy steel. That's right. You know, so yeah. the conversation is, is the rate capping model fit for local government? And I'd say, hell no. No way is it known. It's a political thing. It's a vote-getting thing. It's we'll keep your rates down, vote for us. And I'm saying yeah. the councils in the past who have had really low rates are the ones that are suffering, and we are one of those, second lowest rating council in Victoria. So mm. when we go up 1.75%, we're off a very, very low base. Yeah. Others yeah. are 1.75% on a high base. Represents more, doesn't it? So it's there's tough. a couple of other points I just wanted to quickly touch on that you made. You, you talk about the roads, rates and rubbish um, image, oh. I guess, that some people still hold for local government. And you rightly point out that you know many councils deliver more than 120 different services. How do we retire that perception that some hold that councils should just be doing the roads, rates and rubbish? And it would therefore cost a lot less. <laughs> I'd no? say that's a lot of rubbish. <laughs> councils are communities. Communities are councils. We're the ones that supply and provide. Um, could you imagine um, the state government taking care of all of that? It'd be such a huge bureaucracy. They would still need organisations like council to actually implement all that work. 120 different services. We actually still, I think we're the only council in Victoria to still run residential aged care. Mm. Um, we run kinder, we run daycare, you know, we run delivered meals. There's, like I say, most councils run probably upwards of 120 services. Yeah. State government's not equipped to do that. We are. And the other point you make is, you know, the, the way contracts are coming in, uh, a lot of councils I've heard uh, are not even awarding tenders because they're so far over what they've estimated and budgeted. Yeah. How much of that is because uh, other sectors see local government as an easy mark with their pricing? Look, that's a really good question. Um, and I, I do think the industry sees councils as an easy mark, you know, and there's conversations out there. If it's going to be a council tender, it's going to be dearer. Mm. I remember not that long ago um, we were talking about just building an exiloo, and one of the councils brought in an ad from a newspaper 
and he could build a three-bedroom house for the same price as an Exilu. Mm. You know, so should we scrap the Exilu and put in a three-bedroom house? So things are expensive. Like I say, 10 to 20% increase in building costs this year alone. Mm. Mm. It's massive. You know, it is massive. It, it, and that is from borrowings too. You have to borrow to do that. So then you've got interest rates on top of that. So, you know, the poor chief financial officer of any council in Victoria um, would, you know, be, be going to bed at night and hardly sleeping when they look at what's coming up, what are their costs, what is their long-term financial sustainability outlooks mm. look like. Glenora Council, we're currently going through a, we're having an outside audit of our long-term financial sustainability by KMBG, um, and that report will hit us very, very soon. So I wanted that external look to see that we are tracking right. I don't want to be in a position in five years' time for the state government to come and say, you know, you have to amalgamate because you can't survive. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather we have, as, a, as an organisation and as a collective of councils, we have that conversation now. We get ahead of it and we go to the government and say, this is what we think will work um, and we want you to work with us. So, Jim, I want to commend you for starting the conversation at least, but what's your call to action? What do you think needs or should happen right now and by whom? Chris, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the smartest one around council, um, but I am, I am smart enough to know that people need to start using their lips. They need to start talking. We need to put it, the VLGA or the MAV need to actually get out there and as the big bodies and start talking to councils about their issues and start putting together a global picture of um, councils within Victoria and say, these are real issues. These, hopefully, these are some of the solutions, but we need to work with the state, we need to work with the feds, um, and we need to work with each other. Um, how do we supply, you know, the, the infrastructure and the, and the community needs to some 7 million people? Metropolitan Melbourne, we've got nearly 5 million mm. When you look at regionals, they got one, one and a half, nearly two. So I don't know how the regional councils do it. I've got like, I've got over 100 rateable properties, 200 rateable properties per kilometre. Parts of rural Victoria, I've got four. You know, so yeah. they need as much help as we do. Yeah. But we've got like, say, 5 million people that we're responsible for. I've got 160,000 people that I think about every night before I go to bed. Will our trucks go out in the morning and pick up their rubbish? Our hour footpaths, 840 kilometres of footpaths. Everyone wants it replaced. How do you do that? Yeah. You know, trees, urban forest, waste, recycling. Yeah. Chris, it goes on and on. And it if we sure don't have does. that conversation, um, we'll copy Sydney, New South Wales in about five to ten years. Yeah, I was going to say it's a wicked problem, but it's really many, many, many wicked problems all in one, isn't it? And as I say, yeah. well done for starting the conversation. If there's anything we can do here to keep the conversation going, uh, we're ready to help, Jim. Thank you very much for your time. Chris, always a pleasure, and I look forward to your podcasts each time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Jim McGee, Mayor of Glen Ira. 